And now, your local forecast. Welcome back, everyone. We've got Chief Street and we've got Luke. Welcome back, guys. What? I wanted to get Luke back in because I wanted to. We, there's so much more we need to chat about. And also, you got a trip coming up. You're about to jet out to New York next week. Next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that came around quickly. Did. What are you doing in New York? Uh, the A2IM Indie Week Conference. Okay. Uh, independent labels. For all those playing at home, what, is, what does that involve? Like, what is. Uh, all different labels from around the world congregate in New York and catch up and talk about labelly things. And you're representing Global League? Yep. Cool. What are you going to do? Like, what are, you, are, you gonna, are you chatting on the panel or are you just... Uh, just attending. Just attending, yeah. cool. We can- yeah, we've got some guys from Sounds Australia going over. They've organised some events and things as well. So it'll be good. Awesome. Yeah. Is there similarities between that and IMS? Were they two completely different things? Um, I imagine there's some similarities, but this is more label focused, whereas the other's more artist, agency... Right. Everyone focused. So it's will be, I don't know, I haven't been before, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But yeah, looking pretty forward to going. Have you been to New York before? I have. Nick and I Many actually went in uh, 2017. Yeah, we went to hang out with the guys at Splice. Oh, really? Yeah, I did a little showcase of uh, Launchpad stuff and built a sample pack. For them? Yep, using just Splice sounds. Nick also had no idea he was doing a showcase that day. I so no idea. Luckily, so you, yeah, just rocked had up. it in his backpack. They were like, oh, can you play us something? He's like, okay. So, <laughs> we go. yeah. Full show. Oh, and I was like, oh, the project's ready. I'm like, mm, nope. Winged so, it. you took splice samples, mm-hmm. made a plan. I don't know what you call these, a preset pack. That's- yeah, for those that can't say, I've got a launch pad on the oh, right. table today. Yeah, so you made the, the template for that and then you, that you were asked to play it? Yeah, yeah. And then the project was available on splice. I think it still is. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. So, you can so what's, like it's the same because Luke and I we've, on Global League we've put six sample mm. packs up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I think like the, the 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 whatever the best performance videos we put as sample packs, so anyone can download those packs and play it. Nice. And the idea is you just plug in and play. Funny story though. So I haven't used this launch pad now. We're trying to figure out when the last time I pulled this out. It's been a lot going on the last couple of years. Before a new laptop, anyway, as we figured out. Yeah, so I thought, oh, you know, before the lads rock up to the podcast today, I'll have the launch pad set up and I'll just plug it in, whatever. I spent a long time trying to get this thing to work. <laughs> um, yeah, it turns out you need to have this other thing called components and then you have to register your product and then you have to assign the MIDI and then everything was in the reverse order. So when I went to play Weapon just to you know, warm up, uh, nothing worked. Anyway, we got there. We got there, and now I don't know what this is going to look like on camera, but uh, you should be able to see my hands do something. So I want to be the first person to play a launchpad on a podcast. So if you're listening in the car, this is going to be really strange. There's just going to be this awkward silence, and then oh, at least you won't get to see my concentration face. I have a face when I play launchpad. Yeah, <laughs> and for a long time, that's why we didn't show my face. It's like a, a skill to not to show the concentration face. Well, Luke was telling me that you can just basically pick it up and go. We're just, we're just warming up. I won't, I won't play just yet. I wanted to ask you guys, how are you since I last saw you? Because I haven't seen you in a week. Nah, you saw us on Saturday. Oh, that's right. Refresh my memory. What are we doing Saturday? That's right. We went, we went out. For old, three old men went out. See, it's bizarre. I haven't imagined seeing you outside of the studio, so I've just forgotten. I've just blanked it out. I don't know if we have really. So this is, I think this is our first meeting, gathering outside of the studio. But it was great, actually. It was good to get out, good to see the nightlife once again. 
saw a pretty sick show. Well, I mean, I haven't been out in ages, man. There's not a lot like that takes like brings me out of my as we we're talking about home. last week with Godlands. It wasn't just the pandemic. We already had pretty brutal lockout laws. Which, for those of you overseas, if you don't know what that is, basically it was uh, the government's way of imposing that once you're in a night like a nightclub to try and bring down um, violence. Once you're in a venue, you stay at that venue. You can't then leave that venue. I think what was it like one or two a.m. I think it was. Three, three. We had it all right. I mean, the culture the back then was to stay out to six a.m. So it definitely has yeah. changed. So if you left the club at three, you couldn't get back into the club. That was it. You couldn't go anywhere except for the casino. How convenient. Mm, yeah. Mm. So it's a uh, that's really troubled our industry, I think, because you know we were talking about the lineups. You know, you'd be in a lineup for four hours. You want to stay out in club. You want to have a good time. But we didn't have to do that. We didn't have to line up. So and when you're, you know, you're in Europe or the States or whatever, the shows don't even start till 11 o'clock midnight. And yeah. I remember being in Europe and I was pretty young and I wasn't used to that. And so like, you'd have this massive day out and then you're like, we're going to go out tonight. And you're like keen or like, we'd have a show book to go see someone. It's like, when does it start? 1 a.m. You're like, 11 o'clock. I'm just like, oh man, I can't make it. I feel like that right now. It gets to 8 o'clock at night. I'm like, you know what? I'm ready for bed. Yeah, 9 p.m. I think I get my second wind at 10. Also, though, it is summer for most of the time when that's happening. So the sun doesn't go down till like 9.30, 10 o'clock in some parts of Europe. So you've only got a couple of hours of nighttime before you've got to go out. Whereas here at the moment, the sun's going down at 5. Tomorrow's our first day of winter, time. is that right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I mean, it's felt like winter for the past couple of weeks anyway. I've it's been, been enjoying wet. Adelaide at the moment. It's cold. It's just hard to do stuff and get motivated. It's just cold. Well, think, well, I mean, we're pretty lucky. It's not like it is cold and it is wet, but there are many other places that are worse. Oh, yeah. First world problems. I'm not I'm not <laughs> complaining like it's uh, bad enough to leave, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's chill. Yeah, that seasonal depression. Yeah, which doesn't like, really bother me when I'm indoors and got the heater on, but... um. I do find that I'm way more energized and wanting to go out and do stuff when it's warm. And I would love to play at venues that are in the tropics mm. in the freezing cold. All right, fun fact. I played a show in Norway years and years and years ago and it was so cold, like it was freezing. Um, there was a few there actually. Martin Garrix was there. Jay Hardway. Do you remember Jay Hardway? No. Nah. Remember Jay Hardway? Mm. Yeah. Um, who else? Kygo. And I. It, it, was, it was amazing. It was like a college event. And they just brought in all these superstars and they wanted me to play the launch pad. But it was so cold, I took my gloves off to play and I just just could not get my fingers. There was just no dexterity. Yeah. And I get nervous as it is at the best of times before I play and I get pins and needles, but at least I've got the the, the trigger memory. Like they, they work, I just can't feel them. On this particular occasion, I felt so bad. They had flown me all the way from Australia to Norway. I was only in there for the night. I went to play and I could do the session mode, play DJ, whatever. But when they're like, do the thing, do the thing. I was like, I can't. I physically cannot. And I was trying everything to warm up my hands. I even drank. I don't normally drink on tour, but this was like, I'm wondering if this will like help. Vasodilation, whatever. Someone get me a red wine. And uh, no. Anyway, I don't know how we got onto that. but I actually think it's, it's fun that you've started talking about some of the launch pad stuff because, you know, you've talked a lot about your career so far on the podcast, but you haven't talked a lot about your experiences with the YouTube channel and the launch pad and setting things up and touring and the fun oh. the fun things because well I did have a story planned for today because we 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 talked about this off air and I thought it'd be really funny to to talk about a show I played in India. Luke's looking at me and he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, we, you teased this to me on Saturday night. That's and right." I was like, "No, don't tell me." Okay, so I want to talk about a story where I played a show and. 
it was really interesting because just everything from start to finish was just there was friction. Let's let's I'll put it as politically correct and and delicately as possible. There was friction. So to give context, um, I was playing the show for free. I was absolutely uh, blown away at the opportunity to go to India, all, all expenses covered, which is fantastic. And it was to play at a um, uh, basically like a tech fest. And the reason I, I want to talk about this story is that any booking agents out there that have had acts that are prima donnas, I, I want them to know you can throw me in the thick of it and I will figure out a way wow. even when it's like disaster zone. So I'll give you some context. I've flown, how many hours do you reckon, Luke, to get to India? It's, it's not a… It's like 14 or something. No, that's just a Dubai and then you get Dubai. Or, oh, it depends which way you go. Yeah. Whichever you go way direct I went, to Delhi, it's about 14. It wasn't direct. In fact, I don't even think it was Dubai. I think I went to Hong Kong and then had a pretty extensive layover and then landed. And then I think I landed the day before. So what I was told was we're going to go show you the site day off and we'll do warm up, whatever. Fantastic. I'm in the lobby ready at the time. They said, we're going to pick you up. No one. Listen, where are you? We're on our way. Okay. No stress. Sit in the lobby, whatever. I'm not joking. It was hours before I got picked up. At this point, I'm a bit of a control freak, right? At the best of time. So I'm like, where are they? Was I meant to be there? Have I missed the warm-up? Whatever. They're there. They're all cool. They pick me up. We get to the venue. I thought we we're going to go straight to stage. They're like, the stage actually hasn't, hasn't been built yet. So we're just going to go hang out at, the, at this college and get some food. I'm like, all right, that sounds cool. Like, I'm pretty laid back. Let's, let's just hang out, whatever. And they're like, stage hasn't been built. You've got two options. We can take you back to your hotel and we'll bring you back and we can do a sound check later or you can stay here. I'm like, I think it's better that we stay here. I've got a launch pad. I've got a laptop to set up. I haven't seen the decks. I haven't seen any of the gear. And I always like to test everything so, you know, I can give my best. Anyway, I get put in this uh, almost like co- a college accommodation by myself and I'm just like, something to do. Um, so I'm probably just in Ableton trying to rehearse my set, whatever. And hours go by and then someone comes and like, look, we can't do any more for you today. We'll take you back to the hotel and at least that way you can rest and we'll bring you back for your show tonight. Oh boy. All right, let's do that. So we travel. By the way, it's not a short distance from hotel to venue. It's like an hour's trip. So they, they take me all the way back to the hotel, which was right by the airport. And I get back and I'm like, well, that was a waste of a day. Mm. Uh, not very well rested, freaking out about the show. Anyway, they come back later, late again. Like, we'll pick you up this time, late. Pick me up. They're rushing me to the event now, freaking out. And the stage is still not built. So I'm in this like green room with these other artists and they're sort of having a bit of a giggle about it now. Like the others haven't done sound check and anything. Like there's this guy that's playing a laser harp. So basically it shoots oh. laser. Yeah, it was really cool festival. Yeah. Like really, really cool. And he has these gloves and basically puts his hand out and he plays and he was playing before me. And the guy's like, look, you've all got an hour set, but because we're starting late, because it's taken us a while to get the stage set up, are you guys happy to pull your set times down? And we're like looking at each other, like, okay, we've got to do what we've got to do, right? But like the, the event can't go past midnight. This is a college campus, like, that's it. All right, no worries. Didn't know at the time either that Danny Villa was the headline for this show. So I think I was playing before him. So there's Laser Harp guy, which I've forgotten his name, and then there's me, and then there's Danny Villa. So Laser Harp guy gets up there. <laughs> Nothing's working. Yeah. Like laser shooting, but no sound. Like, poor guy, because he hasn't done sound check either. Yeah. And then it starts to work and the crowd's like, woohoo, and he's playing like some Swedish house mafia and he's playing his solo. 
all the power in the entire venue <laughs> goes out. This poor guy. I'm like yelling at him from the side of the stage like, all good, man. Oh, <laughs> like having man. Just there, power comes back on. He starts his set again, starts playing. And then you can just tell like he's looking at his crew and it's like, this isn't working. And he's just trying to get through it. And it eventually just starts DJing, whatever. And he gets through his set, but he comes off and he sort of like taps me on the back and he's like, your turn. Yeah. <laughs> I get up there on my technical rider. All DJs have a technical rider. It said CDJ 2000s with a, or the equivalent of or whatever and a 900 mix or whatever. And I think this was just before they brought out 3000s. We get up there and I say, wait, I get up there. And uh, it wasn't 2000s. Or it wasn't the NX or the Nexus. Mm-hmm. Something different. Now that's fine. The only problem was that my laptop didn't have the USB interface that would communicate with the mixer. So I have laptop, mixer, launchpad, decks. So I plug in. The MC's like, and welcome all the way from Australia, M4 Sonic. Are you ready? And I've got an Ableton orange media face missing. <laughs> right? No. <laughs> I'm looking at Harp, dude, down like laser Harp, and he's like, your turn. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm on like this, I'm on this like prepaid SIM, right? And so my mind goes to, oh, there's no Wi-Fi. I need to download a driver. I'm going to see if I can hotspot my laptop. So I'm crouched behind the decks, behind the stage. There's 10,000 people there. The MC is Ging them up ready for me to start, and I am downloading like way over my data plan, yeah. a driver from Pioneer's website so that I can get my laptop to communicate with the interface. And this is like, again, steep learning curve. Have a backup USB. Just go, nah, fuck it. Launchpad's yeah. not going to work. Too bad you're not getting the show. Yeah. Or whatever. But at that point in time, that's all I'd prepared for. I'd actually over-prepared because I had so much time waiting to play that I'd built the, the best show ever. I had like an intro on everything. Anyway, this, this MC has the audacity to be like, M4 Sonic, where are you? I'm like, oh. I need two more minutes. I'm telling my host, I need two more minutes. And she's like, okay, okay, but you got to start playing. You got to start playing. Time's running out. Anyway, it works. I get the sound. I start my intro. Crowd goes wild. I'm like, oh my God, yes. But I feel so physically sick. Yeah. And I'm so tense that I just didn't bring my A game. Like I just didn't feel like me anyway. Takes me about 20 minutes to get into a set. Anyway. Right? You feel it. Like, yeah, it does. You know, to, to learn the crowd, to understand what you want to play next, to build up to it. And what I do is I have a journey of my set and I build up to playing my solos, like the weapon solos and all that sort of stuff. And I get 20 minutes in and I'm about to bring out weapon and I get a tap on the shoulder. Your time's up. Danny Villa needs to play now. Right. Bro- How long has it been at that point? 20 minutes into my set. What? It was because of all the um, the power outages and stuff. Power outages, time, just everything I've built, done. Whatever. Yeah. They're like, by midnight, you know the rules, by midnight, like, we have to close the stage. And so were they favoring Danny to give him a full hour 100%, or something? 100%. Yeah. And out of respect to him, out of respect to the event organizers, out of to complete disrespect to myself, I was like, okay. So I'm like, okay, guys, this is my last song. I skipped through all the tracks that I was ready to play and, yeah. and all my solos and I just went to my closing track, which is a really easy track to mix out of because... Essentially, it just goes into nothing. A big, a big hum. Yeah. Um, it's just like for any DJ that's a support act, it's really good not to go full full throttle before the headline mm. and to actually taper back. So I, I tried to taper back as much as possible and then hand over. Anyway, Danny comes up on stage. Unfortunately, I met him that night before the green room. Really, really great guy. Like, I was like, good luck, bro, by the way. 
<laughs> deck three doesn't work or something. Oh, like. the, the best news you can get before and, starting uh, a set. He killed it, man. He played a great show. The, the interesting thing was, is by midnight, I'm like, okay, he's got to he's got to get off stage. No, nah, played for like two hours. What? Yeah, played a full show. That sounds like a nightmare. So, Laser Hub guy and I are just backstage, and we're just like, wow, um, interesting. Yeah. And, and so I refuse to do these shows if I don't have other shows built around it or like contingency plans to play small venues or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and it's not because I'm a prima donna. It's just like, look, if I'm going to leave my family and and do this for free and be away, I mean, ultimately for one night, it took me three or four days of transit. Yeah. You know? To yeah. do that for free is a massive commitment. Yeah. Like the opportunity to go there and whatever is great. Day, but like, like you're in and out. These are college students organizing shows. It's not, well, you wouldn't do it again, though, I don't think. Oh, I mean, like, the opportunity's there, and I'm not shit-canning them. I'm just, uh, it's nice to talk about the the other end because, like, my crew, my family, my friends, you know, the guys listening and watching, you know, guys and girls, it's not all that glamorous. There are times where it can be a shit storm, basically. Um, and it's not its fault. It's just a lot of uh, unfortunate series of events. Well, I've begun to learn how difficult it is to use these pieces of tech. Mm. If you're going to incorporate that into a live show, that's so much margin for error. Yeah. Like, I get scared that my USB is not going to work. I couldn't imagine being like, all right, my uh, my launch pad needs to talk to my my laptop. My laptop needs to plug into the mixers. Like, and everything needs to talk and are the drivers there and yeah. does deck this work and what if the button stops working? Like, Oh, I, 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 could, I don't know if I could handle that stress. Well, it's why I don't drink. I mean, I don't, I'm not yeah. a big drinker anyway, honestly. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's why even when uh, I've got crew traveling with me, it's, it's, they need to be as educated as me, if not more educated as to how the equipment works so that you can do that. The problem is, is that when there's no monetary exchange, you don't have the luxury of crew, therefore it's on you. Mm. And so things can happen. I and mean, ultimately... The DJ just needs to, or the artist or whatever, just needs to perform. And so that's why you have a tour manager. You have someone there that's doing all the logistics and figuring out where you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep, how you're going to get transport, all that sort of stuff. When it's left up to the artist, it does add another, another tier of complexity. And so that when the three of us go on the road, you really need to have that all sorted and you need to have backup plans. Mm. Yeah. So now the backup plan is what? You would have a USB with all your songs and if everything just goes to shit, you just go, you know what? I'm a DJ. Yeah, look, depending on the type of show too, I, I think I've done enough DJ sets now that, you know, I've got the USB with the show built in it and well, multiple shows built into that USB and I am versatile. I can do that now. But originally there was something to be said for the fact that I'd gone against all DJs saying that you glorified button pushes, you put your hands in the air, like let me show you how it's done. Mm. And I made it so painstakingly fucking difficult <laughs> that it bit me in the ass. But I did it. Yeah. Like every fucking time I did it. There was only one show that I couldn't and that was um, uh, Ultra Miami. Uh, we went across to do a showcase for Ultra Records at a pool party and I took all this gear and it just for whatever reason just had a complete meltdown and wouldn't work. But it was a pool party and it was like, oh, too hard. Just yeah. about it. <laughs> Let's just hang out. That's the only time I've, I've been a no-show. That's my, that's my story. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like probably my worst nightmare in a way. Like I couldn't imagine seeing the the orange bar of death at the bottom of Ableton there and being like, I get nervous in the studio when that, like I get a little oh, bit of trouble yeah. or something. I couldn't imagine Do you know, being hiding behind the decks. Do you know what I will say about Nick? Is he is 
this is not probably not the last time that will happen, and yeah. it's probably not the first time that's happened. Obviously, that particular time was very time sensitive and poor timing and no data and, you know, all of that stuff. But he is really bloody good <laughs> at just figuring stuff out. Yeah. There's been a number of times where you've just been like, everything's broken and you've mm-hmm. got like three minutes to figure it out you've and you manage to figure it out. I don't know why, but one of our interfaces in the studio was like malfunctioning hard before a session. Yeah, and, I reckon I was here too. Were we were on the phone to them and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sometimes you, you just need to pull that extra mile to just get into the headspace be like, okay, this is awful and shit, but we can fix it. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's that's part of the reason and I understand why DJs are DJs. You know, it's all about preparation and then when you get to a venue, doesn't matter what type of, of whether it's Pioneer or Denon or whatever, you can play and it doesn't need to be the top tier 3000. It can be anything. You whack your stick in and you play. <laughs> yeah. Well, how does that thing work then? Oh, it almost didn't look like it was going to fly. Well, it was flashing for a little bit, wasn't it? So, Fred again's getting a lot of uh, attention. Yeah. He does like a um, a loop slash mm. finger drumming slash I don't, I don't queuing, queuing combo. Yeah, I don't do loops. I do one shot. So everything on there is a one-shot, basically? Yeah, okay. So for those not watching, this is going to sound pretty... For those not watching, come and watch. Come and watch on YouTube. And then it stops. Yeah. So that that was the... That's the weapon sample that everybody loves. And that's originally a Skrillex sample. Weekends is the track. Thank you. Weekends. Yeah. But yeah. it's pitched up. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I started with that, and then I had some chords. So where are they chopped from? I mean, I could probably tell you. You don't have, yeah. I'm just. Well, the thing about. So are these a lot of these samples uh, chopped from pre-existing popular songs? They are, and then I've renamed them all, and then I've consolidated, and then I've processed them and frozen them down. So yeah, like they're they're not they're not called the track titles that I. Yeah, yeah, from. no. It's, I'm this just... one is called A Three. Okay. Right? Like, cool. I've just, I've messed with that. And anybody that's downloaded the sample packs will know that they're called that for a reason. Yeah, makes they sense. They were alphabetically and systemized in order so that if ever I had trouble, yeah. I could piece them back onto the grid. Because you've uh, got 64 pads. Yeah. Know. Oh, I've got weapon sample, one, two, three, four. Where did they go? Yeah, right. A5, bang. Well, it's like a chessboard almost. Yeah, the weird thing about the launch pad is I don't look at it as a grid. I look at it as where does my hand... Sit. So I just played three buttons. You know what? Let me uh, give me this other one so I can just oh, you visualize look, a you bit what you're talking about. Pad. Yeah. So uh, we're looking at two different models of Launchpad. This is the Launchpad Pro Mark III, and I think that is the Launchpad Pro, the first Launchpad Pro. So they're, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. It might be the Mark II. Um, but yeah, basically how it works. If you if you were to look at a chessboard, you break it down into smaller sections. So I've got my percussion percussive set. Bottom, bottom left. Yeah, I've got three kicks. I only use one. Okay. Well, I only ever use one. And then a snare. Whoa, yeah. a fair bit of reverb on that one. One thing I couldn't do on the original launch pad is that its buttons would press in, like they physically went in and out. Yeah. But this is a touchpad. And I actually find it harder to use this than yeah, the other one. I can see there's a lot yeah. of bounce. Like, well, that, that, that other launch pad you're holding also has, um, that's all touch sensitive, for sure. They don't press in. Yeah. Um, where there was a click. Yeah. 
And that's better, right? For you. Well, I guess, um, like, if you ask Sean Asabi with his midi fighter, there's a there's a clickiness in this, and there's no stickiness to that. Like, the, the friction on a midi fighter is so little that you can play very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a kind of, it feels different. With the original launch pad, the buttons would press in and there's like a time in which that happens and comes back. So the play style was suited more to like dubstep or trap or do you see what I'm saying? Like with this, because it's so touch friendly, yeah. you can, one, you can play different styles of music and two, you make way more mistakes. Right, yeah, because if you slip. Ugh. Oh. Yeah, the other thing that I keep doing. You wouldn't want to have big sausage fingers. For the hardware engineers uh, watching or listening, there are mode selection tools down the bottom and I keep hitting them with the bottom of my palm, which mm. then while playing changes the mode and... Awesome. I'm sure there's a way for me to change that, but, you know, life's hard enough and I don't have the energy to figure it out. So, for all the different projects, is there always drums, bottom left? Yeah, yeah. When I when I started using a launch pad, I was using my right hand predominantly to launch clips and loops like you would on a CDJ. You know, you hit the Q button and launch it, right? Same thing. And then in order to use two hands, my left hand, which is always responsible for bass clef, was never as... Dexterous, is that the right word? Dexterous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dexterity in my left hand was not equal to my right. Even though I did classical training and did scales, I was a pianist for 10 years. It's funny, I play a grand piano now and I'm like, whoa, the muscles in my hands just aren't there anymore. Like yeah. I'm so used to the keys, which are pretty pretty easy to play, like the keyboards. So left hand was uh, responsible for quite a slower movement. So I'm going to play the kick drum with my thumb and a hi-hat with my pinky and they bounce off the pad. Like they're just bouncing. So it's more of like an arm movement than an actual yeah. pressing of button. And then a pivot. I'm making lots of mistakes. Yeah, again there you go. That sound is in the way. Um, but because of a pivot, easier to keep time. One thing I can't do, I can't talk or sing and play an instrument at the same time. Anybody that can pick up a guitar or play piano and sing, their brain is incredible. The, the, the pathways in that to be able to do something simultaneously, I cannot... Nick's a really good singer when he's not playing the piano, by the way. Unreal. Like opera. (laughs) In the booth. Skitty pop rap. Yeah. Um, So the the, the hardest thing, when I used to showcase, because I I used to travel a lot and showcase what I'd do on Launchpad, I'd I'd be this, I'd be like, okay, let me show you. Stop talking, play. And then I'd, yeah. Uh, That's fair enough, though. I mean, it's it's hard to do that type of multitasking. And like, that's very complex stuff. I'm... Not surprised, like your brain power needs to be concentrated on that. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, that—that's the problem. That even now I'm like, oh, what? The least, the less I think about it, the easier it is. Because I remember there's there's two projects to weapons. So there's the that's the that's the one everybody remembers. Yeah. There's actually another one. just change? Yeah, so that's 110 BPM versus one... Oh, right, right. Yeah, but the sample stayed the same? Sample's okay. the same. Yeah, just... Yeah, so... Yeah, and then in the live show, this is where it got really tricky. I'd have two launch pads. So I'd always start with Weapon. Weapon was like the throwdown track. And then I would go into Virus, and Virus was two launch pads. And I would have Oof. to load up a different um, sequence in Ableton. So different mapping and whatever. And... Uh, <laughs> This is why I don't rely on looking at a grid. 
in a nightclub or at a festival, especially when you've got lights firing in your face or there's no lights at all and you can't see anything and you've just got these LEDs, you know, static, um, you've just got to remember what it sounds like and how it sounds and just try and play it in your head. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're like that when you play guitar. Do you just play the sound in your head or at least? Uh, I don't know. Guitar just is the muscle memory for me. Mm. Usually I can just pick it up where I left off. Yeah, so you're not actively thinking like, oh, I need to play a G and but you're right. Not really. No, just where my fingers go. You, you yeah. know, you remember the shapes that make the sounds that sound like, yeah, well, work it's, together. It's basically the same with Launchpad and then you create sequences. So I knew that it started up the top. See, I'm making so many more mistakes on this. Okay. Can you just quickly do left hand solo and then right hand solo? Just that's left and then right. Yeah, anyway, you get the idea. Um, I think one of the mapping is wrong. Oh, there it is. Yeah, I haven't played this in like two or three years. Um, once you start playing though, kind of the flow on effect is like, I'm listening to a song and then the hands just kind of follow. Yeah. Yeah. But probably should have practiced a little bit before I did this on uh, live. But I also kind of want people to see it's uh, like real. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say raw. Yeah, like I mean, I spent 20 minutes trying to get the damn thing set up. Uh, that that would have been still dust on it. Um yeah, I, I really definitely did want this podcast, video cast, whatever you want to call it, to be kind of backstage access so you can see that it's, it's always been legit. It was so fun in the early days when we were getting hate. When I say we, like me and whoever yeah, else was yeah, part yeah. of the, the crew at the time. What, just like pre-recorded? Pre-recorded, it's fake, you know, like... Um, His hands are not even hitting the buttons at the right time. And then what was worse is that there's no metronome playing in my ear. We, we did try that for a bit where oh. I had like techies that would help me with a, a click... So I'd try and stay in time. Because I can I, imagine that might be a hindrance, right? Because well, there's a bit of free... Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of uh, freedom it, in that movement. I don't know if you could keep it to a click. No. Um, I actually, yeah, I'm a bit embarrassed. There's a video online where I'm showcasing, probably for the first time ever, and I played it like double time. <laughs> you would have just been nervous a bit. Yeah. I, was, I mean, I'm even nervous now doing this, and that's good. It means it's important. But yeah, I, I got a fair bit of criticism for that because it was like, Okay, it's not fake, but it's not very well executed. So it was, you what, know, flip of the coin. You got to remember, like, I wasn't used to those type of comments yeah. back then. and I cared. Yeah, no shit. yeah. So I wanted to get better. So I did experiment, and I'm going to experiment again with another controller, the Ableton Push. And that, I feel, has, it's got lots more controls that are, you know, they direct back to Ableton in a way that this controller doesn't yet have that versatility, which is fine. For what it is, I love it. It's, you know, these are all different tools for different yeah. things. But if I was to go down the route of like Fred again and do more NPC-based loop and sampling and stuff like that, that's finger drumming. That's very different. Um, but you could do that potentially by simplifying this down. Yeah. I'm just not sure. I, I did. There was another controller called the Akai Force that I did some stuff on and that that's more... It's like this, but the pads are sort of like more rectangular and they're thicker and that's more loop-based as well. And you're playing a loop and then like you with a push, you can have an effect knob that controls parameters and changes and does filters and whatnot. That's cool as fuck. But 
it's a totally different play style. You know, like the midi fighter, you press a button, you let go. Mm-hmm. You know, you're up for a challenge, though. Yeah, well, I'm interested to see where this goes. I, I think the next iteration of this will be this is a two dimensional plane. I think the next iteration of this should become three dimensional, which I am going to experiment with in the metaverse. Lasers. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was just thinking, I really want to know who this harp laser guy is. That's oh, I've his name and I feel bad. Yeah, I was going to say, poor dude, plugging him all episode and just calling him harp laser man. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like, because you, you, you're seeing how, you know, like putting your hand further down the laser, like some mm. laser beam sh- like shining into his hand, that would change the, like the signal and the sound and effects and That's all sorts of stuff. And then he was playing it like a harp. So different laser beams and different notes and he was playing solos. You guys would have made a little cool duo. Well, yeah, that's it. And I just, I encourage people to try harder shit because, I don't know. I want to I want to see who's doing this. Well, no more. Okay, so I've never touched one of these in my life before. I saw ads on Facebook the other day and I was like, maybe I will get one of them. And then I'm looking at the learning curve and what you did to set that up and what am I going to load it with? And I could tell, in my feelings, I would know, I would be the guy who plays it three times and then it just sits on the side of my table. And it looks cool, but I know, what's what's the practicality of it other than leisure? Well, like you could use it for production. Yeah, 100%. You could have all your, your 808s, which we mentioned last episode, where yeah. 80% of yeah, your track. You. So you just need to hit... You can get all your beats down. Right, that's way easier than writing MIDI into... Yeah, yeah. I guess if you're trying to do a big brainstorm sesh with an artist, that might be... You know, and you take all your, your growls and your whatever your soundscape is and you make them into like a little pad and then you can play around with it. Look, at the Rises. end of the day, it's, it's yeah, hold one button. Yeah, it's it's all about using the tool in a way that maybe you have happy accidents. Yeah, yeah. So well, I that's think, all the best parts of music. Yeah, look, I'm going to attempt while we're having a chat to load up another project. And okay. and it's one that I haven't rehearsed and I played it a long time ago. What one? Oh, it's like one of the bass therapy sessions on YouTube. Yeah. So, Luke, have you been to sets where Nick's playing these things? Yeah. Yeah, actually, one of the um, one of the first shows I ever saw Nick play were at uh, Stereo Sonic. Not long after we met at EMC that year, I think it was the following year, he played in Adelaide yeah. at Stereos and um, yeah. played Weapon Live. That would have been cool. Do they have the camera on the? I don't think they or... did that day. Nick's, I feel like that Nick's actually be... mentioned before that when he has the camera on his hands, everyone just stops dancing and stares at the screen. They, uh, it's too distracting. <laughs> like, you'd want a bit, bit of like a cut between it. Like you'd yeah. want to see him pressing the thing so people get get what he's doing and then yeah. he's not just hitting a button. But also I could see, yeah, it is. Well, that was it. The The pitch was originally that, you know, when we play at venues, the venue had to have some sort of super screen behind the yeah, console. Yeah. And then from there, you know, we could showcase what I was doing. So I had, I used GoPros, like the, the very early model GoPros. Oh. And we'd have multiple angles. And what was great is we'd have someone on a switcher and they could switch between the angles of the GoPro to show that it was live. I think having like a grittier camera wouldn't be a bad thing, you know. It doesn't have to be this super GoPro's crystal now. clear. Yeah, the GoPros now are so good. So it'd be it would be yeah. mint quality I would, anyway. I wouldn't mind experimenting again. It's always fun when the, the, your main hard drives like file location missing. Like I was going to say, do you have the audio driver installed for this one? You're going to get caught. I don't know. We'll find the out. The audience Get your phone begging out. for you. I see. Yeah, media files missing. Yeah, I was just going to say, I see the orange bar of death. Right. 
Are you guys chat amongst yourself while I fix this folder? Luke, cut out a big long pause of silence while we all sit here and look at each other. Um, what did you think of the show on Saturday? So for those who want to know what we did, we went to, <laughs> some people might not, skip, <laughs> skip these next 15 seconds. Uh, we went to Fat Controller to see our good friends and someone who was quite close with you and the label previously, uh, VOE. Yeah, VOE was our first artist to hit a million streams on Spotify on on Global League. So they played their uh, last Australian show before they hit Europe for their summer tour. That's crazy, man. I'm really proud of them. Like from where they've started from and what they're achieving now. And the best thing about them is I can only see it getting way, way bigger and way, way better. I don't know if we mentioned it was VOE, but I think we kind of just skipped over that. No, no, we did. I think we mentioned it. And yeah. did you give the back? You said it so, like slowly as well, <laughs> right after me. So anyway. Luke and I kept getting submissions from Tevlo and Kazi. Separately. Uh, yeah, as we, uh, Kazi was always featuring on Tevlo tracks. And it yeah. got to the point where we were just like, guys, let's catch up from meetings. We've had an idea here. We think you guys should combine and actually become like a thing. Mm. So they... They played with so many names. In fact, we're going to get them on the show because they've got some. Yeah, pretty, we'll talk about that another Yeah, yeah. Funny. We heard one. <laughs> so it was just pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super proud of them because they've, they've gone on to do everything they wanted to. And, you know, we're talking about manifestation probably a few episodes back. There's something to be said for, you know, really going for it and, and credit to them that they've had to put up with a pandemic. They've had to put up with all sorts of different roadblocks earlier in their career, which would be enough for most people to just be like, it's too hard. But because I think they're both artists in their own right and they've stuck it out for such a long time, they've just stayed true to themselves. Like, they are so authentically them, yeah. which is so not common these days. Everybody's trying to be an emulation of something else or they're trying to get people to perceive them as somebody that they're not. And these guys are just through and through. It's and their live show's wild. Dude, yeah. I was so impressed. I, I, I had high expectation too because I was like, I know how good they can be. I know that Tom's an incredible producer. I know that um, Caroline's just got a ton of stage presence. She's a great singer. I've seen videos of her going crazy. So I was like, well, I'm going to put the bar pretty high here. Whoa. Didn't, didn't disappoint. Yeah. First time I saw them play was in Tom's backyard. That's right. There was a barbecue. I'm sure the neighbors love that. <laughs> they went pretty late too. I was like, oh, my neighbors would be hate knocking on my door if that was me. But yeah. Went hard even in the backyard with the neighbors present. Well, they're about to go hard at Rampage. So, yeah. Yeah. So, if you're in Europe, go watch them. VOE. Yep. I don't know if we said that yet. Hectic drum and bass. Hectic drum and bass. All right, Nick. Is this happening? I don't know. I'm going to see if I can reset this launch pad because this, this is the thing that it's so easy to use. Yeah. So, all the buttons are remaps. Isn't that nice? But that's not where the buttons are meant to be. They're meant to be up here. Right. Oh, that's annoying. Like, why is my kick down here? Oh, I really wanted to play this one for you. Oh, well, stay tuned for next week when I actually get to play the launch pad. <laughs> that's epic. Cinematic. Oh, this was a really fun project. Okay, so anyone out there that plays launch pads as well, I need the community support here. What I'm finding is that components, which is got lots of custom modes and can remap, seems like every project I open now, it's reformatting the launch pad. And I'm not sure I'm liking that. Is that something that when you iron it out though, the next time you open it up, it'll just be sorted? 
Uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where I guess now I would have to save lots of custom modes per project. So, yeah. But, or I could just try a different launchpad. But yeah, these, these, these are the points of friction that I just go, all right, let's try something else. That's where I'm worried I'd get stuck. My patience sucks. Well, even this I, launchpad I, sitting in front of you, I, I plugged that in and it just kept doing its like fancy light show and it didn't actually load. Mm. And so what I need to figure out is that is that a USB hub problem or is that just that the, the driver needs an update or something? But you get to that point where you're just like, I just want some old school that I can plug in. Like, I reckon if I went and got my original launchpad and plugged that in, just load. Just work. Can't attempt to go get it out of the kitchen. <laughs> oh, geez. Is that your first one? Yeah. yeah. Still got it. Still got it. Yep. Moving house recently, I found another one. I found a fourth one that I'd... I'd yeah, didn't you say you had like 12 or something? There's a few. There's a few. I think over time though, uh, they've been thrashed. Like on Warp Tour, they got mud in them, dirt, gravel, drinks, alcohol, like everything. And they just get sticky and all the bits and pieces don't work. You, CDJ 2000 or like the 3000, you could drop that from a 10-story building and it would bounce back up and you could play it again. Like those things are incredible. Yeah. I don't know how they withstand nightlife and clubs. Yeah. Well, you've got to be durable in that environment, you know. Totally. It's yeah. going around, weather, inside, so, outside. What I'm thinking without putting too much pressure on myself is that I think the next iteration of Launchpad for me is to do it on this show. Mm. Make one from scratch. Yeah. yeah. If I get enough free time, like make a project and be like, hey guys, I've got something to show you. And then I'll play it for you. And then, yeah, if, if the audience wants the full version, then I can be encouraged to pursue it. But it was taking so long off camera, like offline to build all this stuff. So what, then, what is the process behind one of those base therapies or weapon or... Yeah, it's a huge process. Yeah. So... It's kind of like, what do they call it? Crate trawling, DJs, when you go through yeah. and you used to find... Great digging. Great digging for, for vinyls and stuff, right? So it's effectively the same thing. I would go on like Beatport or even like YouTube, whatever trending tunes. Um, but the base therapies, that was uh, a bunch of labels that we had access to. So they're whitelisted so I wouldn't get the copyright infringement notice on YouTube. Because that's a real killer for creativity when you got to do something creative and then you're like... Oh, down. When did you first have that happen? Did you have a clip go up and then it gets flagged and you're like, oh yeah, no. Yeah, I used to do super mashes like yeah. uh, before I used user one mode when I was using session mode, which is like the CDJ equivalent. And I was doing like a Kanye song into something else. <laughs> the Kanye Sony now, says no. They hate it when you remix their stuff. Yeah. So a lot of my original videos got taken down. Um, and then I used to do uh, videos for music festivals. So as part of, I think, the negotiations of me getting on the lineup is I'd, I'd create um, like a super mashup of all the acts playing on that uh, lineup. Yeah, awesome. Which was great. Like, I loved it. Yeah, it'd be good for you. But then, yeah, YouTube copyright, copyright that, that sort of messed things up a bit. Um, Facebook's worse than YouTube. Uh, but the process was I'd find the artist, find the tracks that were training of that artist, go in and, and find a section of the song that I really liked, like could be a really good bass or could be a wicked little vocal loop that everybody's going to sing along to and I'd comp it and make a little cropped version of that, whack it on a pad. And then once you've filled the pads with all these sounds, you'd play them and it would all sound terrible. Yeah. What you do is you try and pitch them up and down and warp the uh, time yeah. and then try and get them to play, you know, in, a, in a, some sort of logical sequence. But, you know, I'd by that stage, I'd have like virtual right basses and I'd have a dead mouse kick and I'd have a Skrillex growl and I'd have, you know, name an artist and I'll tell you what kind of like sample I would have pulled from them. Some some were really good for synths, some were really good for breakdown pads, you know, and I'd pull all this stuff together 
and make a project. Yeah. But then you'd have to rehearse the sequences. So it's like learning to walk, you know, left leg, right leg, and which order. And Well, first you've got to find the rhythms as well. Yeah, and the samples depicted the project master tempo. So if I were to take a bunch of like really heavy dubstep samples and, and play around with that long enough, you'd fall into 150 BPM naturally because the samples play natural in that, that key. Yeah. It's really hard to make house tracks on a launch pad because playing at 130 is quite slow. Yeah. Yeah. And staying in time at a slow speed is much harder than playing a like breakbeat. I was kind of noticing that with the drums actually. Like when you played it slower, I was like, they sound way less full. Yeah. But when you go fast, it's like there's room for a little bit of whatever. There's room for error when you go fast too. Yeah. And then that's also where the samples that I'd put on these grids, you'd almost have like backup plans. Like, oh, if I miss this button, at least I'm going to hit this really cool riser. Yeah, something over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get to the point where you're filming. And this is, I can't tell you how much back pain I had because I <laughs> I would set up on, you have number one, you must have a very sturdy platform to make launch pad videos. When you hit these things, like it rocks yeah. whatever you're on. So kitchen tables are great. Uh, kitchen benches are even better. Problem with kitchen benches, you can't get your legs under a kitchen bench. Yeah. So you sit back from the launch pad. Like so many of my videos were done on a kitchen bench, on a stool. So I'm on a high stool crouching over a launch pad with a camera the opposite side facing me on an angle and I'm reaching over like this. I kid you not, oh, eight no. hours. It's like eight hours for my OCD perfectionism to be like that take I think I was good. just about to but say. I reckon I could do it better. We're one taking this? Yeah, I, I really wanted to do it in one take, which no one on TikTok would care because I think they like the bite-sized little... I was going to say, for three and a half minutes, you can't make that many mistakes. It was very different. Yeah, it was different time. Yeah. yeah. So nowadays, I think what I'm probably going to do, and it just... Oh, I don't want to do it for the wrong reasons, but if I could make a quick little mash for you guys here, and, it only, and I play for 15 seconds, which I think is probably long enough, 30 right. seconds is probably pushing it, I think that's a really good content piece for TikTok. If you made it so it was short enough so it almost looped as well, then yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, I think Weapon, the original, was too long. When I, when I go back and look at it, I think it's over four minutes. I'm like, eh, it's dragging on. Songs are not four minutes anymore, that's for sure. No, unless it's got a really good progression where I was just repeating for the sake of repeating. Yeah. I'm like, oh, like, let's do a third chorus. Where, bridges are rare in EDM, you know? Which is sad because I find bridges really easy to mix and you track into. Yeah, bridges used to be like my favorite part of like listening to metal or something or, you know, not EDM. A bridge would come in and be yeah. like, oh, usually they could get real creative, a bit more like melodic. All right, put this one to the audience. I don't know if it's the same in your countries or hometowns, but I found here in Adelaide when I was going out the last two, three, four years, like don't worry about the pandemic, I was finding the play style was like, 30 seconds drop mixed into a rise build of another song, another 30 seconds drop build into another rise, into another drop, into a breakdown repeat. And I found that formula to be very annoying. Yeah, I don't think the drops can keep overlaying each other that no. much. You know, it like that helps. That only hits hard a few times in a set, in my opinion. Well, there was no hierarchy to the set. It was just banger after banger after banger after banger after banger. Yeah, it depends what genre you're in, obviously. Ed Sheeran if you, vocal. If you banger, get... banger, oh, banger. No. Katy Perry. Banger, banger. Like, yeah. We've talked before how the crowd here is quite young, though, and they just, you know, they're having a good time. They just want to go out and wave their arms in the air. They're not, you, you know, music aficionado. If you go to a house gig or something, like even at the Fringe, there was some house shows and 
the crowd was a lot older. The songs were playing for a lot longer and everyone was vibing along. More patient. It does happen. It just yeah. doesn't happen in certain places that yeah. run every weekend. Yeah. How do you keep the energy up in a bass set? Me? Yeah. I plan my sets quite a lot. Um, I definitely leave pockets for whatever I feel like. But, you know, I was saying to uh, Godlands last week that I do get a bit anxious about sets and that because I don't do it that much. So I do like to be prepared with everything in my life, but as well as sets. Um, and then I also, because I transition through, you'll find probably a, like a lot of different types of music I touch in a set. So I will play 120 to 120, 120 to 130, 130 to 140, 140 to 150. So it usually like lines up all right. Um, but then there's also some tracks that I like to play that are like, you know, the, the drum and bass and then they go a bit faster to like that 90 BPM where it's like halftime. Mm. Those trap bangers. So sometimes it can be quite a lot of work just trying to piece all the pieces together. So usually I'll just pick, okay, so when I I really want to play this song and it's at this weird BPM, how am I going to get there? And so I'll I'll plan all those parts and then I can... DJing anywhere between 130 and 150 to 160 is a piece of cake. Do you build up? So like I, I start my sets at like 128. And then obviously move up to 130, 135. And then I go up to like 150. I've gone to 170. Mm. Played some shows in China. Yeah. I wanted it really hard. Like brutal. Brutally hard. And then uh, switch it up. So we're going from like hard dance into dubstep. Yeah. It's kind of like a nice change up. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know how to get back from there. And then I'm like, all right, we're done. Well, that's where it gets tricky. And that's why I need to know that, you know, these are the tracks that I'm going to play when I'm trying to go up or down. Mm. Um. Yeah, it's it just takes a bit of planning. Um, How do you plan your set? I will. I it's for, you've, you've been doing it a while now, so it's yeah, yeah, I, I definitely. It's nothing new to me. I just don't do it that often. Um, so if we were to play a show, because we're gonna we're gonna do some sort of global league showcase, right? Well, things have changed a bit. Where you know I've got a lot more of my own music that I'm trying to play now as well, which is actually I don't know about anyone else, but I find that really difficult. Well, playing your own music. Yeah. Well, trap music is really hard to mix. If things aren't in the same key, like, you know, 80% of the tracks in 808. So, you know, mashing them together can be pretty difficult if it's like conflicting. Yeah. So you got to be really careful with that. Um, so that type of stuff needs to be thought out. But I'll just basically... You use the Camelot wheel? Yeah, yeah, I do. Mixed in key is great. Mixed in key. Great. Um, right, here's a question. How long should you stay in one key for? I don't pay that much attention. Yeah, so I was it. freaking out because I color code everything. Yeah, see, so you're another level. So I would I would color the key of the track that I was mixing in Ableton because I'd make edits. So everything I play is an edit. So yeah. if I play one track that has been loaded on my USB, that will be um, some sort of remixed version of the song that I like that's yeah. got, you know, I'll probably put like better risers in or I may have put a vocal acapella on it. I know some DJs like to play their vocal acapella at the top, but I'm like too much of like, oh, what if I stuff it up? So yeah. I put it in. Also, it's mixed heaps better. Yep. Um, but because of that, I color code. So I know that this track will go with this track. That's cool. But then I'm looking at the sea of blue in Ableton. I'm like, I can't play 10 minutes of F sharp minor. But who knows that you're playing F sharp minor? Oh, the crowd does. For sure. You reckon. Oh. You reckon. I used to do this thing where I'd reverse engineer. <laughs> so I'd listen to a hardware set and I was like, oh, that's genius. You've gone from C to G because that works. I 
couldn't imagine anyone who is eight hours into their festival, oh, no, 12, no, 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 beer, 12 no, no, no. drinks deep, a cup, seven of sharp tracks in a row. Wow, what a shitty oh, DJ. There, there are people <laughs> yeah, that but do fuck that. them. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up, like, that doesn't matter. You're not trying to impress that person. You're trying to impress the other 99% of people who don't care what key your song's in, as long as it sounds good. Well, Keep that's it, it simple. I don't like songs that are like rhythmically mixed, but they're totally out of key. That piece. Yeah, yeah. Look, there's you know there's pieces to it. I'm just trying to load another project to see if this works. Oh, great, Luke. Ready for another chat? Yeah, <laughs> I might have to come back though. See you, Lukey. You guys want to continue on without me? Where are you going? Pate. You going to Pate? No, it's a pub. Oh, that's right. I forgot you had things Mate's to do. Back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's right. We probably should wrap it up anyway. That's cool. I'll let you guys finish up. Yeah. All right. Good to see you, Luke. You too, guys. See you tomorrow. Yes. All right. I'll just, I'm just going to quickly say if... It's not going to work. It's that's not, fine. We're going to come back in, in a few weeks and I you really can actually get it ready. Yeah, well, that's fine. We'll, you know, tease the listeners with yeah. something like that. Yeah, I just got to get more prepared. And I'm I'm very much one for like, because I made it once, it should work every single time, but I need to realize... You need a new camera, a new pad. It's all going to be different. Always. I'm just so sick of troubleshooting. Yeah, I think... <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's just... That is what running a studio is. Like, what? How many sessions have we had? Where we were like, "Oh, Something that is. interface is just not working today." Yeah, that was not a good one. I remember that. Mm. That was not a good day. Mm. Actually, I plugged one of these into the vocal booth the other day. I def- definitely needed a cloud lifter because it was so quiet. Really? Yeah. So on here, it's fine. In the booth, not not fine. How so? It's super quiet. And once Why? you once you crank, crank the preamp, then you start to get static. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. So, oh, okay. Yeah, need a cloud lifter. Great. Another bit of cloud gear. lifter. Mm. I don't know what that is. Right, take the audience. Audience, what's a cloud lifter? Well, I mean, someone's just going to Google it. Can you tell me now? Uh, yeah, basically, it's kind of like a preamp for the mic before it goes into your interface. Okay. Gives it more juice. Lifts yeah. the clouds up. Yeah. Uh, anything else we should say? Actually, we should definitely do comments now that Luke's gone. Well, you got your laptop right there. Should we find? Should we pick out some comments? I'm really hoping that we get to the point one day where, like, we can do a whole episode that is basically just comment responses. Oh, how good would that be? Questions, yeah, because yeah, yeah. then we don't have to prepare anything. We can just rock up and talk. I love it. I mean, the today's been a bit like that. <laughs> All right, let's go to our most recent one. Oh, top comment is Chief Street. Yeah, too much fun recording this episode. Yeah, um, Godland's track all night is a bang. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Rewind tape with a pencil. Yeah, we uh, we talked about how's your tapes going. Um, we're going to put out feelers soon, and we'll go from there. Okay, you're actually going to print it on tape. Uh, well, I'm going to see if people are interested in actually uh, either maybe buying it or winning, winning. sets. I yeah, don't know. that's a good idea. We'll see. I'm not going to, yeah, spend too much time making 10 cassettes if no one wants them. So, be hey, this determined. This cool. Even an hour ago. Oh, really? Sure. There's, there's so a new one because I sit there refreshing them. Be mute. Yes, we've finally done one hour. Yeah. we're gonna. Tr- I don't think we need to go any longer than an hour just because I've run out of energy. Uh, what else have we got in here? Me again. I love that. Whoa, that's so nice to see so huge length. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, referring to the episode length, not anything like that. Was that you? Maybe. No, it wasn't you. It was someone else. Um, No, it's great. I I won't read them all, but it's just like, uh, cheers to you lads. Thanks for the inside info. You know, it's good to to get people behind the scenes. I think transparency is key to just realizing that we're just people and we're just having a chat and it's still very early days. So I think over time, I want people to see the journey of how this evolves as podcasts, but it's basically going to be um, very much community driven. 
eventually. Yeah, I think there's going to be some episodes that are bangers, and then there's going to be, you know, some... Sometimes I may be good, sometimes some, I may be shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Today might be maybe shit. Maybe shit. <laughs> well, if I... Yeah, I would love to play more launch oh, It's fine. I mean, we, we got the... The building blocks there to then. The idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, now I'm trying to think, what can I bring in here? That would be fun. But no, I got nothing. Guitar. Uh, everyone's Dude, seen someone play guitar if, before. No, but what if I played my launchpad to your guitar? Yeah, I'd have to get good. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, we could, yeah. I mean, well, let's, I feel like the uh, the opportunities in this other room are going to be limitless. Oh, yeah. Quick update. So, so much room oh, for activities. So much dust. Um. <laughs> It's looking amazing. I didn't expect the builders to do what they've done. So today I thought it was all done. Yeah. And then I came back and the plaster has done another layer on the cyclorama. So cyclorama yeah, is yeah. the curved wall, the curved yep. film wall. And what I asked is that they've built all these new insulated walls so it's going to be sound treated. And that way we can capture video in there and things like this podcast. I said to the builders, um, shout out Alex if you're listening. I was like, oh, is there any way you could just sand the psych, because, you know, during the construction process, there's some cracks that have appeared and whatever. Yeah, yeah. it happens. It's so easy to step on the cyclorama. Instead, they've basically rebuilt it. Like, they've, they've, they've done all the plastering over the curve and all over the walls, and they've sanded it back, and they've done it twice. Wow. So this is going to look brand new. I, didn't, I wasn't expecting them to do that. So yeah. not only is the entire film studio brand new, but the cyclorama is also brand new as oh, well. Mate. So the hope is that um, they'll, they'll come back to the final sand and then we can clean it all up, start painting it. Then what we need to do is we've we've killed all the noise from outside, so it's like a sound shell. Now we need to kill all the noise inside, so like curtains, like what we've done in here. Yeah. Some soft furnishings, and then you guys are going to see the evolution of this podcast, which is essentially going to become a TV show. Big things ahead. Big things, big, big things ahead. More guests, better challenges. Like we're going to have challenges in the the show. Yeah. Like I've thought of some bad ones. Do you remember the Nickelodeon slime yeah, buckets and shit? Yeah. yeah. I've thought of some things to do, but I, I don't even want to suggest them because I don't want to do them and I'm not going to. Okay. So. We'll talk about this off air. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. A uh, bit of a different one today. Lots of troubleshooting. And, you know, good for you to hear that not all shows are just creme de la creme. Some, yeah. uh, sometimes I may be good. Sometimes I may be shit. Until next time. Bye. Bye.